welcome to Tales, Tunes, and Tom Fullery, starring Jerry Springer, along with Gene Galvin and me. I'm Megan Hills. We're recorded live in front of a brilliant studio audience at the Folk School Coffee Parlor in Ludlow, Kentucky. My daddy came Here he is, ladies and gentlemen, the man you've been waiting for, Jerry Springer! So I'm just asking, you know, to turn the sound up more because uh, I'm not hearing that. Well, because you're old. Well, why? I'm, well, you're, I, I no, have a no, hearing no. aid stuck in your ear. Don't start with the jokes. Yeah, I'm I now can't. the old one in the back of the room. Aww. Oh, yeah. <laughs> hey, Jerry, what kind this is, is it? Honestly, this is the <laughs> finest hearing aid money can buy. What kind is it? Four o'clock. <laughs> but I'm fine. <laughs> I hate you. Oh. <laughs> See? See, it's, it's not good. But you see, how, what was different this time is we worked it into a two-person. You could be one of the elevator comics. There you go. Oh, there we go. Have we heard anything about that? Or, nope. Is this elevator comedy? we're going to talk about that. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about that a little okay. bit later on. Oh, okay. I don't want to mix up your plan here. Your plan? Nature. <laughs> <laughs> He's got two hey, by the way, what? we're excited that uh, straight from West Virginia, West Virginia's own... William Matheny, uh, who's out traveling the country, and he's in this area, and he's going to perform a little bit later mm. on our uh, podcast. And also, Jerry is going to talk about, and there's really no polite way to say this, he's going to answer the question or grapple with the question, is Donald Trump crazy? There's a one-word answer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's our whole show, ladies yeah. and gentlemen. Hope Thanks you enjoyed for joining it. us. Tipping <laughs> <laughs> well, waiters. I have a uh, I have a question. I, I, I continue with this question. We have this bit, uh, Jerry, you have put on our website. Because I guess you Jerry would call knows it how to put something bit. on a website. Uh, trust it's me. a promotion. I, yeah, <laughs> I couldn't put anything on a website. <laughs> okay, but anyway, like the, spider. The, the bit no, is uh, you go to jerryspringer.com, and if you're anywhere on a computer while you're listening, uh, just pull this up. Go to jerryspringer.com, and if you look on the right side, you'll see a box that says, would you like to date Megan? And mm-hmm. it, when we started this podcast, Megan, you I'm sure you recall this. We put that up there I've because bl- you were dating, out, <laughs> at the time you were dating around, quote unquote, dating around. Correct. Because you have your, uh, you have a social life, as you should. Shocking. And, uh, <laughs> and so we had that up there and we have gotten, and we continue to get just throngs of people throngs. like, I want to date Megan, I want to date Megan, and what we're always betting them. Define, yeah, a, define throng. a throng. <laughs> not thongs. Throng. No, no. Oh, why not? <laughs> oh, not thong. Not thong. Anyway. Throng. So uh, I think since Megan is nearly married, I mean. No. Oh, pardon no. me? No. Oh, for the love of God. <laughs> <laughs> oh. How's it going? Well, then, so. So we can leave it up there then. I told you I need options, Gene. Okay, you got it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and All I'm right. not nearly married. I'm not even like not even dating anyone right now for crying out. I don't know where, okay. you're, where you're getting your news. Well, source, I Kellyanne. get my my sources <laughs> are the same sources that Donald Trump has. Right, Kellyanne. Yeah. Alternative yeah. facts. <laughs> so I, I don't know. Hey, Jerry, a quick question. Yes, um, Gene. We're always curious about this because you live in a different. You, you breathe thinner air than Megan and I do. So your show this week, you taped some shows oh, in Stamford, Connecticut, the Jerry Springer TV show. That's art. Just give us a sense of, because <laughs> I'm always curious to what you're doing to the American culture. Right. 
what were your shows about? I am priming this people to run for How president. What do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> How did you destroy every culture? Every show, <laughs> every show. I saw five people today who could run. Yeah. It's funny. We used to joke about that, but... Uh, I've ruined the culture. Yeah. But yeah. anyway, so your show today, what you, would you talk about today on your show? Would talk? You? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we what were chairs thrown about yeah. today on yeah, your yeah, show? Why were, yeah, that's it. Why were chairs thrown I, about? I think I should be able to do a furniture commercial. <laughs> really? I mean, really, because you could, you know, I could hold up chairs and say, trust me, I know furniture. This one could yeah. stand <laughs> getting thrown or whatever. Oh, yeah. I don't know. But the subject, it, they, it was stupid. Um well, there was this uh, uh, one woman who wanted to... Oh, she had graduated high school. Yep. And so that put her in the top 5%. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, the echelons of, of the of Springer show. Yeah. <laughs> no, and, and she had, you know, she uh, become a stripper and... Uh, Weird. And, and she was talking, <laughs> which was kind of sad because she was talking how she had been bullied in school and all the girls had made fun of her and stuff like that. And now, and she was kind of like brag, bragging, feeling really good. And now look what I've become. And, you know, I'm, I'm one of the top paid ones in my club. And I get, and, and she's going on like that. So your first instinct is, oh, this is really, and then you realize, no, this, this is important to that young lady. You, yeah. You'd like to think that there should be other options in her life than doing that. Right. But I mean, she was she wasn't apologetic about it. She wasn't right. saying, you know, she's making a really good living mm-hmm. uh, for someone of that education level. She says, "I'm making more than all the kids in the class were making." It was that kind of a thing. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. It, it had. But anyway, hey, you know, so I've decided to become a stripper. Yeah, <laughs> and we're all going to thankfully decline that application. No, I'm, I'm, I'm doing the nursing home tour. Ooh. Uh, <laughs> Because I'm telling you, in some of those homes, I am hot. <laughs> you do. Okay, I'm warm. <laughs> Not hot. My age, you don't get hot anymore. You just get hey, speaking warm. of high school, <laughs> it makes yes. me think of a uh, something that uh, when I was in, in education, which is where I spent my career, urban education in Cincinnati, mainly with the Cincinnati Public Schools, and I was lucky, you know, I got to start some schools because basically I just bitched about schools aren't working for kids, certainly not for right. all kids. Right. And luckily the district at a couple points in my career said, well, if you think you can do better, come up with a plan. And I did, and they bought it, and we did it. So one school, and this involved you, Jerry, Citywide Learning Community was the name of the high school. And in fact, we have a couple uh, former students in the audience tonight, uh, grown men who were in the school, not for this particular class, because I just talked to them about it. But um, so I had this class and I designed these schools and ran them, but I always taught some. I always taught a little bit because I believe that school leaders need to do that. It's like doctors need to you know, stay in the operating room a little yeah. bit, stay rooted in reality. So I had this class that I called Government in Action, and the concept was to teach the required Ohio-U.S. government class that was required by the state of Ohio, and you'd have to teach the three branches of government and the three levels of government. We did it a little differently. I said to them on the first day of class, and this class met all afternoon for a series of days for, you know, some months, and on the first day I said, Basically, what pisses you guys off? That government might touch right. 
And the first day, some ideas came out, and early on an idea came out that just rooted. And the idea was that in Cincinnati at the time, I think it still exists, it probably exists in cities all across America today, stores uh, like stop-and-go stores, you know, little stores where you go in and get uh, a soda and some candy or whatever, they will not let kids come in in any larger number than some set number. Usually, Usually it's three. Two. Yeah, yeah two, three. two or three, yep. sometimes one. And the kids said, our, our gut tells us that's not fair. Is that legal to do that? And I, had, I knew that it went on, but I hadn't really thought about it in the context of government. And I thought, I don't, that's not fair. I agree with you, and I don't know. It. Well, it's legal because they're doing it. And they said, can we make that illegal? That became the class. And that, and that chasing that goal took us through the three branches of government. It showed them research skills, that. lobbying skills. So we filled up on the first day a whiteboard with all the steps that we figured had to be done. The we took the class yep. and organized them into teams to attack those areas. And one of the things on the list is where it involved you and you're probably remembering this as I'm describing it, is I basically, you know, they use me as, so what's the process? I had to teach them the process. I said, well, if you're going to get an ordinance passed, a local law, it, this has to pass with a five, it was a nine-member city council. You were on city council at the time. And it would take at least five votes to win the day. Right. And we had to go find somebody, this is where you came in, who would join us, be our city council member, and then these kids, we all would be your constituents, and you would be the one who would take whatever we drafted with the help of the solicitor's office. We went through this whole set, research through juvenile court, the level at which kids actually steal, because that was going to be the argument right. of these people. Oh, they, right. they steal uh, us yeah. blind. Well, we found that a little tiny slither of young people are adjudicated for petty theft, shoplifting. And you became the one who uh, took what we drafted and your staff worked on it. Come to think of it, Tim Burke's in the audience here yeah, tonight, he was, too, yeah. who was on your staff maybe at this yeah. time. Yep. He might have been involved in kind of uh, wor working at the staff level. And, th and there were public hearings, and it was corporate lawyers on one side of the table for all yeah. these stores. And the kids on the and other side. And the kids on the other side. And on the day of the vote, I'll never forget this. Remember how you guys had your desks, the city council yeah. members were in kind of a horseshoe, yep. a, a U shape, and you yelled at me during the council <laughs> meeting, Gene, get up here. Went up, crashed down next to you, and they said, uh, and I won't name the person, you know, blank is caving. We're going to lose the fifth vote. You guys, my kids, they got to get him back in line. And I went back and clustered my kids. After the show, I'll ask you who that was. I'll, I'll I know, you. I'm interested too. And we clustered. Does it begin with a kids. B? Uh, no Stop comment. Stop it. And <laughs> they went over and worked this guy, and they got him back in line. This was all in the context of one city council meeting. They got him back yeah. in line, and they won on a five to four vote. Yeah. It was amazing. And then. One year later, there was a council election that fall. A Republican 
won a seat and replaced a Democrat because the Democrats were for the kids and the Republicans were against the kids in this case. And a Republican replaced a Democrat, and the next year those companies, those corporate lawyers were on this guy. I think they helped him get elected. And they said, you've got to get this rescinded. And after one year, they reversed it. Are you serious? They did. The next year it was reversed. And my kids, I had different kids now. Yeah. And they, we were on to another issue. And, but they went nuts over this. And I just had to spend a lot of time that afternoon talking with them about, look, if you're, we're going to learn government in action, yeah. not just talk about it out of some bullshit textbooks, but we're right. going to go out and get our hands dirty. This is some, reality. Yeah. We're going to win some. We're going to lose some. Well. We're getting into tough stuff here. And they lost it. And, of course, the, the solution was to get somebody else elected, replace a person, and go back and do it again. And it never, we never got it there. Right. But you were the one who led that fight. It's funny. That actually reminds me of his tweet the day of the election. Like, democracy doesn't ensure a win or a loss. It ensures a voice. And right. that's what you taught yeah. your kids with that. Yeah. Yep. Right. Yeah. And I didn't know whether we were going to win I or not. I did that tweet through tears. Yeah. <laughs> it was a... But I, I will tell you, I saw, I saw this other times, but I certainly saw it in that time period. That Jerry Springer in politics is very competitive. Yeah. Very competitive. Turns out he's really good at it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he does not, he does not oh, he's go blushing. down Look at him. Easily. He's getting all embarrassed. <laughs> so let's, sure. let's hear it for Jerry the Pied Piper. <laughs> And because of that, they banned kids. Oh, no, there was only a certain religion they banned, but the rest could come <laughs> to the Yeah, yeah. And Ban all the kids, because one kid stole, so now all, all the kids, kids can't go. go. You know, and speaking of politics, um, it, like I said at the top of the show, I don't know how to say this in a, a, any polite way, but after Saturday, and let's set the context here, on Saturday, so we're we're you know, recording this on a certain day, on March 7th to be exact. But the previous Saturday, Donald Trump tweeted early on a Saturday morning, oh, I've just learned, making it sound like he got some official briefing, that uh, Barack Obama wiretapped me and my people, this is sort of a rough quote, uh, in Trump Tower. And it turns out, of course, immediately people said, oh, my God, did he? Where's the evidence? You know, whether there are a FISA court ruling and blah, 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 the whole process, it turns out there is nothing to back that up. So that left us wondering as we were driving over to do the show tonight, is this guy like nuts? And if he is nuts, what are the implications for me and you and everybody else as Americans? Well, check the flights to Canada. (laughs) Um, No, he's, uh, he's mentally unbalanced. And uh, and I, it sounds weird to say it, but I'm not saying it as an insult. I'm saying it as this man is not emotionally and mentally balanced to be the leader of the free world. That is probably 99% of serious people in a private conversation will admit to that. They'll say, you know, they may be real conservative Republicans, and by gosh, he's going to push through some of the things we want. But if you really, if it's just you and God sitting alone in the room, does anyone honestly believe that this man has the balance 
to be have his finger on the button to be the leader of the free world, and he doesn't. And that's the truth, and I don't know, you know, you want to be polite so you dodge around using those terms, but it's getting more serious every day, and at some point, see, in the beginning, it just has given all comedians and Saturday Night Live, you know, the whole concept of mockery, it's, it's become kind of a national joke, and people are building careers on making fun of Donald Trump, impersonations, Alec Baldwin, etc., but we're moving, and, and that has a political consequence, because when you start mocking someone, it, it, lim- it, uh, it lessens their uh, political clout because you're starting to make fun of them, and it's pretty hard to bounce back from that. But it's going beyond that now. Now it is starting to move into the area of not just mockery and, oh, it has political consequences. Now all of a sudden... We're moving into the area where it jeopardizes the security of the United States of America. This has now become an issue of perhaps national danger. And I start out with the Republican Party that have an awful lot of very responsible, you know, it's not a political philosophy I agree with, but, you know, our history is filled with prominent, bright, great values, good, decent American citizens that are Republican and love their party, etc. But there comes a point when you, even though you're a diehard Republican conservative and you like some of the things Trump will get through just because he won't veto a Republican Congress, you have to say, this is really messing up America. Now, I believe, and then I'll get into why I think he's a little you know, the wheels are coming off the wagon or the bus, whatever the the term is, um, with uh, Trump. The reason it's not being dealt with now, the reason the Republicans are dodging it, in every interview, as late as this afternoon, every Republican that is being interviewed on this issue, they're all making excuses. And the reason is, let's assume there are three wings to the Republican Party. Um, the business wing the nationalist wing, which is where you get the people that have tougher racial issues, and then there's the Christian right. And those are three powerful forces within the Republican Party. Each of those forces is getting something they want out of the craziness of Trump, so they put up with it. So the business community is saying, if you meet with them privately, they'll say, yeah, don't tell me about Trump, we know it, but He's going to do away with the regulations, financial regulations and others. So they compromise. They say, we'll put up with him because at least all those regulations are going to be done away with and it's going to help our particular business. The nationalists, the people that are, you know, want to see America just Christian and white and let's get rid of the Mexicans and the Muslims and African-Americans, let's lessen their voting rights and stuff like that. Those people... They, they're putting up with Trump. They'll admit that he's nuts, but his policies are going to result in less immigrants coming over and less Muslims in the country. And the Hispanics, the Mexicans will be leaving. In other words, so they're getting what their big issue is through, this, through Trump. And then you have the Christian right that they even 
say, no, he doesn't represent our values or anything like that, but he'll appoint someone to the Supreme Court that will be with us on abortion and won't fund Planned Parenthood. And so everyone's got their, within the Republican Party, seems to have their one issue that they're willing to sell their soul for. And I believe, obviously not intentionally, but they're jeopardizing the security of the United States of America. This guy is losing it. And the way he's losing it, the cause seems to be, I don't know what the medical psychological terms are beyond narcissists that we kind of all agree with, but he also, he can't handle the humiliation of having less votes, not just than Hillary Clinton, but also less votes than a woman. He got beaten by Hillary Clinton. He can't stand the idea that his legitimacy as president is being challenged because when you see him suddenly start talking, it always has to do with, I had a bigger crowd. There were all these people voting that were illegal. All this stuff, it always goes to that issue. He wants to be seen as legitimately the president of the United States. And he realizes, probably when he's there alone, he realizes that his name is always going to have an asterisk next to it. That the American people really didn't vote for him. Which is true. He is legally the president because he won the electoral college. But the American people, by almost 3 million votes, that's hardly a nail-biter, the American people voted for Hillary Clinton. And it just gets him. He just can't stand that notion that he lost to her. So that's, that's the first thing. The second thing which goes to his legitimacy is this whole Russian issue. Because, based on what the 17 intelligence agencies of the United States concluded is that the Russians were, well, obviously hacked the Democratic Party, but also influenced our elections, that they wanted Hillary Clinton to win. So basically, that goes to the legitimacy of him even winning the Electoral College, because it's pretty hard to argue that that influence of all those emails, that whole issue that came up with all these leaks that it didn't influence 1% of the vote in Wisconsin or Michigan, which is how he won the Electoral College. So, but for the Russian involvement, he wouldn't have even won that. Now, when you hear the answer on the other side, they say, well, there were other reasons Hillary lost. There were reasons that the Clinton campaign didn't perform as well as, as it should have in certain states. But the, all those issues, whether it was her charisma or lack of it, or they should have spent more time campaigning in Wisconsin and not whatever the issues are, those are normal decisions that are made in every election by campaigns. And you live and die with those. Got it. But the one part that is not part of the equation of American elections is a foreign power coming in to help decide the election. That's what's different. So you can't say, well, you wouldn't have had to worry about the Russians if she had campaigned more in Wisconsin. That's not the answer. The answer is, how is she campaigned in Wisconsin? That's a, a decision for Americans to decide. But the Russians coming in to 
decide the election. That is a, an attack on American democracy. So that can't be used as an excuse. And that is why we need this investigation. Most of the talk in the last week, I've noticed, is we have to get to find out the Russian involvement and, most importantly, because then you raise it to a level of a crime, if the Trump campaign was in cahoots with the Russians. In other words, where they both working together to get this done. Then it's obviously a serious crime, impeachable, etc. So you do need a prosecutor to look into, an independent prosecutor, obviously, to look into it. It wasn't enough that Sessions just recused himself. He needs to resign because having someone under him uh, making those decisions is still no good because whoever the person is under him, the deputy attorney general, is still working for him. And Sessions still controls that guy's career while he's in the AG's office. And let's face it, put yourself in that position if you have to run an investigation that includes investigating your boss, you're going to pull back a little bit because you don't want to tick him off because, you know, he may give you bad assignments then or one day later on, he won't say it's connected, but you'll get fired. So there's pressure. You got to have an independent prosecutor. But I would argue it's not enough in terms of the security of the United States of America to have an independent prosecutor because a prosecutor can only look at the issue of whether a crime has been committed. But the threat to the security of the United States of America, which is now an ongoing threat, has nothing to do with whether a crime was committed. You need an independent commission that can look beyond criminal activity. You see, what we have to know is what conversations what was talked about, even if it's not criminal, between the Russians and the Trump campaign. And the reason for that is, that is the basis of blackmail. Pick the most ludicrous part. Let's say it did have something to do with, with sex. They got something on Trump. I'm not saying it is, but let's say it was. That's not a crime. So a prosecutor wouldn't touch that. But it's something that the Russians know. They may have that tape. They may know what was discussed. They may have a discussion about some of his hotels and the banks and what deal was made. It may not be a crime. But if it's something that someone in the Trump campaign wouldn't want to have made public, they then can be blackmailed. So maybe when it comes to making a very important decision, how strong we back the Ukraine if the Russians start to move in? Will we send troops on the border of Poland in case Russia moves in that area? Whatever the issues are, our government now could be compromised by what the Russians know about this White House. And unless we know what those issues are and can remove it from blackmail, we are in that position. If there is some conflict in the next three years, and I'm not even talking militarily, if there's a big issue and suddenly the president goes on prime time and gives a speech about something we have to do which involves Russia, 
Do you really think the American people are going to believe it anymore? Even if he's telling the truth. Even if he's telling the truth, you're not going to know whether or not he's being blackmailed. That's why you need a commission. It can't just be the prosecutor. The prosecutor is just about was a crime committed. But these conversations with a foreign power during a campaign, what promises were made, and you know what's so difficult about this, is we're all guessing what might have been said. But the Russians know exactly what was said. For we know the Russians taped all of this. The Russians could be holding it over every person in, you know, all the people in the White House that talked with them. They could have all these conversations. Can you imagine what these guys are thinking right now? Oh, geez, I hope they don't bring that up. You know, that kind of stuff. Hmm. That is the threat to the security of the United States of America. And one other thing about Trump going over the deep end with this latest ban. Well, first of all, you realize how absurd they were in the first seven days, throwing it out there, obviously giving it no thought. And it was just the messiest, it was wrong because it's against the idea America. But even if you put that aside, which I can't, but if you can put that issue aside, the whole idea that you could have such a major ban on immigration and not have any preparation putting it together that it's so blatantly unconstitutional. But the argument that Trump gave was we had to do it right away because, oh, my God, the terrorists were coming. We had to block them right away. Well, that obviously was a lie, wasn't it? Because now they were supposed to come out last week and do it, but he was getting such good press with his speech that they decided to put it off another week, the ban. Well, wait a second. If the terrorists are coming over, you can't wait a week. They're coming now. The planes fly faster than that. <laughs> His speech wasn't that good. So it, yeah. And now this ban, which we have already perhaps seen evidence of how it hurts the security of the United States of America. When he had basically declared war, not military war yet, but war against the Muslim religion, banning predominantly uh, people from uh, immigration from Muslim countries. That obviously has an effect. It helps recruit disgruntled Muslim kids that are looking for a cause and all of a sudden don't feel welcome here in America. And by God, I'm going to sign up. They go to the website. This looks cool. And, and I can belong to this, and they, this website cares about me. Islam cares about me. The American people don't anymore. I mean, this is how you recruit, and this is what Trump is feeding. Let me give you a specific example. It was about seven or eight days into his administration that he put the, the ban on the seven Muslim countries. One of them was Yemen. The very next day, was when our special forces, Navy SEALs, go into Yemen to try to get those, the, the, the leaders of Al-Qaeda in Yemen. And as you know, it turned out to be a disaster. The American SEAL was killed. Uh, some children were killed. Other people were killed. It was a total mess, a total failure. And the reason our own government gave for why that failed was because someone had leaked that the Americans were coming. 
So the surprise factor was the word they used. The surprise factor was compromised. So think about it. The Americans, our SEALs, are going in with some Yemen soldiers to get al-Qaeda. Do you not think that after they heard a day before that they weren't welcome in America anymore, that there probably wasn't one of the Yemenis soldiers there or family members of the soldiers giving up the secrecy and telling some of their compatriots, hey, the Americans are coming, screw them. They won't let us in. Hell, you guys shouldn't have to die for this. And so they blew the whistle on our soldiers going in there. That's just one example. How many thousands of times is this going to be repeated of someone in the Muslim world of these seven, now six countries, just getting ticked off? Why do we feed this? What is Trump doing? This hurts the security of the United States of America. There's some kid sitting in Kansas City right now in his bedroom on his computer, ticked off, deciding to sign up. He Trump's insane. Not insane, that's a legal term. But mentally unbalanced. And where are the people around him that are saying, stop, think this through, you can't do that. That's the scariest notion of all. Here's what I would like to see happen immediately. John McCain, Lindsey Graham, and two leading Democrats, it could be Schumer, it could be Nancy Pelosi, the four of them, and uh, maybe Mattis, uh, Secretary of Defense, they ought to have a private meeting. And they don't have to tell us what was said at the meeting. They go into a secure location, and they better come out and see if they can come up with an idea of what can happen in an emergency if Trump goes off the deep end. All they have to do is come out and tell us, we've agreed something is in place in case an emergency hits. Let we Americans know that we don't have to go to sleep now every night thinking that a crazy man could have his finger on the button. That's very rational. I'm not calling for crazy, oh, let's get Trump, all that stuff. Just someone of real responsibility. And McCain and Lindsey Graham, conservative as they are, have impeccable credentials in terms of their patriotism to the United States. And you put in Schumer and you put in uh, Pelosi, the Democrats will figure out who they're in, and just sit down with the generals there and just have a plan. In 1974, Richard Nixon, in his last days in office, was going off the deep end, drinking totally drinking, and he was there in the, uh, the White House with Kissinger. And this part I may have wrong. It may also have been Haig. But they actually had let the American military know that if any orders are given by Nixon, they should be called first before doing anything. That is what they did then. I think that's what we need now. 
I'll be very happy if John McCain tells me, tells the American people, we've got a safeguard in place, fine. We'll spend the rest of the time debating all other issues. But someone of that stature needs to be able to convince the American people that as crazy as he gets with his morning tweets, you know, we just had Korea send off the missiles. Who knows what Trump's response is going to be, if it's going to be rational at all. We have to have someone of that stature come in and say, rest easy, the security of the United States is in responsible hands. All right, we want to bring up William Matheny, and as he's getting set up, uh, let me tell you a couple things about him. He's uh, from West Virginia, and this is pretty cool. Just last weekend, previous to the night that we're recording this on a Tuesday night, March 7th, he was interviewed on NPR's Weekend Edition as one of their okay. hot artists, yes. and uh, that that's, uh, speaks a lot for uh, the quality of his music. And uh, William, would you do a song for us? Certainly. Figured since I, you know, set all this stuff up, I might as well, might as well play it, right? Might as well right? use it. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That'd be great if you just said no. Yeah, no, I'm not, I'm not really feeling it. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I'm tired, I'm gonna go home. <laughs> yeah. I was grinding my teeth in the back of the van with my styrofoam cup falling out of my head. I was dreaming of streetlights Through the windows of your room Then I woke in Ohio At three in the afternoon Now there's some laughing Catherine down at the end of the bar was some funny Daniel down at the end of her arm and I was drinking ginger ale and I was chewing on ice that piano way down in Alabama on a Tuesday night I was a blood moon singer I was a broken bell ringer I was the poor message bringer if you need a little writing for the wall No matter who you are, loving from afar ain't no love at all. 
was falling down at the edge of the floor and my blood was unthawing just like the mornings before now the lines on my face don't read any way you want Just like a ghost searching high and low for another house to haunt. I need a bright-eyed redeemer, singing beautiful dreamer, sleeping on a sunbeam, waking me up at my master's call. No matter who you are, loving from afar ain't no love at all. And no matter who you are, loving from afar ain't no love at all. That's William Matheny, and by the way, his uh, website is williammatheny.com, M-A-T-H-E-N-Y. Latest album is Strange Constellations. You're from Morgantown, West Virginia, correct? That's right. Yeah. Uh, home of the Mountaineers, University of West Virginia. Yeah, yeah. It's Huggins. a really cool town. Yeah. It's, it's home Huggins. of Huggins. Well, current home of Huggins. Current. Yeah. 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 And it used to be here at University of Cincinnati. Oh, yeah. In this yeah. area, so. Hey, do a second song for us, would sure. you? Sure. Well, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> William Matheny. Wait, I heard you had a joke which was better than mine. Oh, that's well, pretty easy to do. <laughs> I, I don't wish to be competitive. There's humor enough for every answer. <laughs> that's funny. There's so a... these two whales are sitting at a bar. Yeah. And uh, one whale looks over at the other one and goes, <laughs> so then the other whale looks over at the guy, the other whale, and says, "Man, you're really drunk right now." <laughs> it's cute. All right, William Athene oh, doing second song. <laughs> Am I out now? Is that? No, you're good. Oh, okay, all Still right. Still better okay. than Jerry's. You're okay, good. Okay, cool. All right. I didn't know if that was a deal breaker for everyone. No, no. No, no but at least people know what they're going to hear next week. <laughs> you, can't, you can't make that sound, I'm though. stealing it. There's no... Second song is called Out for Revenge. <laughs> William Matheny. Out for revenge I'm going to see that you'll suffer those tears on your face are not nearly enough for the 
Buddy Holly, hey, can you take us out on uh, down by the riverside? Well, I'm on the lake down my heavy load down by the riverside. Fullery, recorded live at the Folk School Coffee Parlor in Ludlow, Kentucky. Thanks to Patrick Kennedy for writing our opening song and to you for listening. Check out our website at jerryspringer.com. I'm gonna lay down my sword and shield down by.